Okay, uh, well, good morning. Uh, if I can also extend a welcome from me as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, and by the number of introductions I've had, I think you probably should by now. Uh, my name's Phil, uh, and my wife Sarah and I have been uh, coming to New Community for a while now. Uh, and together, we are responsible for five of the red-headed children you see kind of lurking around the joint. Uh, one of who's decided to stay in, so no pressure, Daddy. Today, we are continuing our series on sing. And we're picking up where Tom left off last week. Hopefully, we'll have... Excellent. What, why, and how... These are the three questions we're going to answer over the next 30 minutes as we go on a journey together. So let's start with the what. And spoiler alert, it was already on the slide. Today, we are looking at what it means to sing with those in your life. Okay, so we need to define that. So this is the what. Next slide, sorry, I didn't tell you about the animations. Next slide. So, first thing, we're defining this as singing outside of the Sunday morning context. So, using singing in your day-to-day, -day, how singing can impact and influence you and those around you. We're also defining this as the power of singing to engage and encourage. And also, what you listen to makes a difference. So I guess this is a slight recap of what Tom covered last week, but I want you to see of it a little bit like a Venn diagram, where the two subjects are kind of interceding, rather than uh, a repeat performance. So that's the what. The slides might need to catch up, but there we go. Um, now the why. You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's great, Phil. I get the what, but why? Why should I care? Why should I lean in and listen for the next 26 minutes and 50 seconds? What benefit is this going to be for me? Okay, well, in order to answer that question, I need you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. If you're following in a Bible, I will give you a moment. It will be on the screen. Hey, it's on the screen behind me, so there we are. Are we all together? Yeah, cool. Acts 16 and verse 25. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer, shaken out of sleep, saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, saying, Do not hurt yourself. We are all here. Then the jailer called for torches and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he had brought them out of the inner prison, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. Okay, so context. Why were Paul and Silas in jail? Let's start there. So Paul and Silas are in Philippi. They're looking to win people for Jesus. 
One morning they're going to a place of prayer and they are met by a female slave uh, who has a spirit by which she predicts the future. So she basically earned money for her owners by fortune telling. She was a revenue stream for them. She follows Paul and Silas around for many days, yelling, these men are servants of the Most High God. And understandably, after a while, Paul got a bit annoyed. Possibly because the spirit was trying to take attention away from Jesus and onto itself. The Bible doesn't say, but that's just a hypothesis. So he commands the spirit out of her in Jesus' name. When her owners realize that their hopes of making money have gone, their revenue stream has gone, they get Paul and Silas arrested and basically uh, uh, thrown before the magistrates. And they say, these men are Jews. They are throwing our city into uproar and advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Ooh, grr. Now, obviously, the magistrate sided with these guys because uh, the next thing we read is that Paul and Silas were stripped, they were beaten with rods, they were thrown in jail, and they were put in the inner cell and shackled. Now, it's important that we need to pause here for just a second because we need to understand the architecture of a Roman prison. The inner cell was, as it suggests, the inner cell. It was surrounded by other cells and it was surrounded by other architecture, which basically meant you weren't getting out. The idea was, hey, these guys are really dangerous. Let's put them in the innermost house, the innermost part of the house. It was especially dark and dank. And also, I read, very interestingly, that if you were in prison at this point in time, you weren't actually supported by the prison. It's not like these days where you get a PlayStation and three square meals a day. You actually had to be supported by people from the community. So... If you were a husband and you got yourself chucked in jail, your wife and family would still have to support you, bring you food. So the message here is clear. You ain't getting out of this cell, sunshine. So it's been a bit of a day and a half for Paul and Silas, hasn't it? They've had this nuisance fan following them around shouting at them. They've been falsely accused, they've been stripped, they've been beaten, they've been thrown in jail. And to top it all off, they're in the worst room in the house. The inner, inner cell. So I reckon even Paul, who is a fairly chipper-chappy, is going to be feeling a little bit rejected, probably a bit abandoned, possibly asking, where are you, God? Discouraged, confused. But you wouldn't know this, because all the Bible says is, but about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So, why do we sing with those in our lives? Point number one. It speaks truth to us and over us. And us... In this context, the reason it has the little funny brackets around it is because it is us individually, but also us collectively. So the people that you do life with. Let's look at our verse. Paul and Silas are in jail. They are vulnerable. They're in a bad set of circumstances. They're just doing what God called them to. If there is anything Paul and Silas need right now, it's a little bit of truth. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been in circumstances in my life where 
I've needed truth. Even whilst preparing for this sermon, I had a situation in my life that was so serious, I questioned where God was in it. I felt totally helpless. I felt surrounded by darkness. I thought I was a fairly resilient Christian and I could speak truth to myself in tough times. But this circumstance was so serious and cut to the very core of who I was that I was totally mute. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't speak. But not Paul. They weren't mute. Verse 25, singing hymns of praise to God. So let's be clear here. They're not singing the chart-topping hits of the day. Now, apologies, there's a couple of opportunities for dad jokes here. So you're going to have to go with me. Hits like, we all live in a Roman colony, a Roman colony, a Roman colony. And a, a favourite of, uh, of the Jewish teenagers uh, to yell at the dignitaries as they went past, baggy togas, baggy togas. All right, we're done. Okay, that's enough. I apologise. I'm sorry. So the writer of Acts is deliberately very specific. They are singing hymns of praise to God. Songs that are helping them to hear the truth of who their God is and helping dispel any lies that they may be hearing. Point number two. We sing with those in our lives because it takes our eyes off our situation and circumstances. Let's look at our story again. Paul and Silas have a horrible situation they are facing. The reality of which is really uncomfortable. Their feet are in stocks. They will be cold. They will be sore from the beating. Probably broken by the injustice. But yet, they pray and sing. If they had looked at their situation, if they had looked at their circumstance, they probably wouldn't have been able to sing. But they didn't. Their singing is declaring the truth rather than describing their circumstance. Now, this is really important. If you don't listen to anything else I say today, I implore you, listen to this. Because this is really important. There are two very valid ways of dealing with a set of circumstances. One is to say... Now, imagine we are Paul at the moment and we're in jail. One is to say, God, look at my situation. It's terrible. I'm in a cold, dark cell. I'm sad and it's not fair because I was just doing your will. Totally valid. Absolutely valid. And God will meet you. God will comfort you. But in this scenario, you won't see breakthrough. You won't see breakthrough. You'll still be in the cell at the end of it. You'll still be cold. You'll have had a cuddle. Might feel a little bit better because God in his mercy will come and meet you. But you won't see, you won't see breakthrough. The other approach is to say this. God, you are the Lord of heaven and earth. In you, everything has come to be. By your word, all things were made. Nothing is impossible for you. Your name is above all other name. I may be in prison in a cold, dark cell, but you are almighty and there is nothing that you cannot do. In this scenario, you have just described your God despite your circumstance. Do you see the difference? 
You are appealing to the infinite nature of an infinite God. And therefore, by showing faith in who he is, he can turn up in your life and do what to you seems impossible. You've just positioned your God as being bigger than your circumstance. Your circumstance has just become less as your focus on your God has become more. Describing circumstance describes the scene, the physical. Describing God describes the unseen, the spiritual. What has my focus? My circumstance or my God? What am I describing? My circumstance or my God? We have an opportunity for the seen and the unseen to align. Helen Lemmel caught this understanding beautifully in that famous chorus. Turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There is a big distinction here in the words being used, and this is exactly the same regarding singing which is why the writer of Acts is very specific. They were singing hymns of praise, singing hymns and songs that positioned God as who he is. Not circumstance, God. Point number three. We sing with those in our lives because it engages emotions, encourages and builds up. It isn't possible to fully engage in singing and still be thinking about our circumstance. It's just not. Fully engaging means all of our physiology is leaning into the words that we are singing. Our emotions, our matter, everything. Singing forces us to make a decision. Are we going to focus and dwell on our circumstance or are we going to focus and dwell on who our God is? Now, if we decide to focus on singing, we have that instant reward of being swept up in, captured in the moment of the music and the sentiment of the words. It kind of absorbs us. Singing engages our emotions and alters our perceptions. I.e., singing helps us bring our emotions in line with the truth. Feelings are not the truth. When focusing on how big our God is, it's impossible not to be encouraged. I don't care what your situation is. You sing a song of truth, you're going to feel encouraged. There is something that stirs inside of us that edifies our soul, edifies our very being. So maybe you're here today And maybe you feel a little bit like Paul and Silas this morning. Maybe stuff is tough and singing some truth would benefit you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, it's all right, Phil. Life's groovy right now. I'm all good. I'm just fine and dandy. Well, my challenge to you, my friend, is this. Maybe, just maybe, your singing 
is for somebody else. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, guess where we're going next? And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening. Now, this is the early church. We can assume that these prisoners weren't Christian. Paul and Silas are in Philippi to make headway for the church. But picture the scene. You're one of these prisoners. You're in prison. You've got no hope. Probably feeling discouraged. Probably feeling sad. Maybe despondent. And suddenly someone starts singing a song of hope. How would those prisoners be feeling? What would their reaction be? Now, Dave Holden gave a beautiful example of this back in May, by which point I knew what topic I was preaching, so I noted it down very quickly. He gave this example of going to the pharmacy, feeling quite down about having to take some medication for his health. And he said, he bumped into a delivery driver who was making his routine delivery stop at this pharmacy. And as the delivery driver was going about his business, he was singing, It's your breath in my lungs. And so Dave spoke of how the fact that they kind of stopped in the doorway and sung a little bit together and they had a bit of a moment. They kind of looked at each other and went, oh, part of the same club. Cool. <laughs> and then they went about their ways. And Dave said how encouraged he was by that particular scenario. Maybe you're me in my situation that I described earlier, where I didn't even know how to get back to even start thinking about singing. For me, it wasn't someone else in the flesh that was singing. It was a song that I heard through my stereo, a song that I heard through my headphones. I spoke about feeling like I was completely surrounded by darkness. Well, I put my, uh, my headphones on at work, and the song that came on was by Michael W. Smith. It's called Surrounded, and it literally just repeats for three minutes. It may look like you are surrounded, but you're surrounded by me. This is how you fight your battles. It's the truth I needed. All of a sudden, where I was numb, I was then able to speak. Maybe your singing is to start instilling truth in those you live with. Maybe your children. Maybe an unsafe family member, a parent, a partner. Can I encourage you? We don't need to be apologetic for the gospel. They might not be Christian yet, but you go ahead. The prisoners were listening. They weren't Christian. Crack on. Sing it loud, sing it proud. Never apologize for it. Singing encourages, engages, and builds up. Point number four. We sing with those in our lives because it is a tool to access the presence of God. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Paul and Silas chose to sing and pray rather than be overwhelmed by their circumstance. And in our passage, God shows up in an amazing way. Suddenly. You know something's going to happen when the Bible says suddenly. 
Usually God's around the corner, lurking somewhere. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all of the doors were opened. It's the act of praying and singing in this passage that puts God into focus and by putting him into focus, Paul and Silas are choosing to tune out their circumstance and this allows him to be there in a much deeper way because he has their full attention. Now listen to this. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone who was glued to their mobile phone or games console? Yeah? You can't, can you? You can't engage them, you can't communicate them. To, to be fair, it's usually in my, me in my house. I'm the one normally on the, on the phone. But they are distracted. They are distracted by circumstances on their device. Are you hearing this? They are distracted by the circumstances on their device. They are not present in the moment. So by focusing through singing, we access the infinite possibilities of our infinite God. Now, I'm not saying that every time you sing, the earth is going to shake. It's just not going to happen. But it will accomplish what it needs to. Now, in our passage, it accomplishes exactly what it needs to. Paul has traveled to Philippi in order to win people for the gospel and he's in jail. He's made a choice that regardless of his circumstance, he is going to sing and praise. Now look at this. Think about what Paul's on mission for and then look at this in verse 30. And after he brought them out of the inner prison, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How amazing is that? That the very circumstance, that if we inspected it with human eyes, we would say that this is aborting Paul's mission. The very circumstance that appears to be standing in the way of success. You will not win souls for Jesus because you are in jail. You are in prison. The very circumstance that if we studied with logic, we would conclude that Paul's mission is a failure. That circumstance, that circumstance is the circumstance that brings a soul to Jesus. There might be people here that feel they're in some kind of prison. That doesn't stop your effectiveness. That doesn't stop you doing what God's called you to. Prison or no prison. Circumstances are often bad. But often that is because there is something to be achieved. Singing is a tool that allows us to alter our perception of our circumstance. Not necessarily change it. So, to recap. And I'm running out of time, so I'm going to need to speed up. To recap. We sing with those in our lives because it speaks truth to us and over us. It takes our eyes off our situation and circumstance. It engages emotions, encourages and lifts up and is a powerful tool to access God's presence. Okay, Phil, you've sold me. I've got the what, I've even got the why. Are you going to tell me how? Good news, my friend. How? What practical steps can we take? Step one, we need to be intentional about what we listen to and sing along to and when. 
As Tom told us last week, you're seeing what you've been listening to, you are what you eat. Tom encouraged us to listen to the lyrics. What is it saying? Is it describing the character of God? Is it based on the Bible? Is it speaking truth? Is the song putting God in his rightful place? Is it describing the overcoming nature of God? Do you feel uplifted afterwards? Now, are you ready for a practical example? Yes? Not even Christian songs are not created equally. And I have an example for you. So we actually have the slides for this as well, so you can go through as I, I'm going to read it. I was hoping maybe we could sing them together, but I'm running short on time rapidly. Um, and so the first one is Jerusalem. Let's read these lyrics. And did those feet in ancient times walk upon England's mountains green? And was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among those dark satanic mills? Hey up, love. <laughs> did Jesus walk past Orvis factory? <laughs> okay. We're going to skip for the, uh, the, the, the purpose of time, the, the, the rest of it. But the second song I've got here is this. This is Reckless Love. We sometimes sing it here. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And we'll end it there, just because I'm running out of time. So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, maybe we can sing it later. Requests. Um, when we look at these two songs, it's very clear to see that one of them is describing circumstance. Did Jesus visit England in his lifetime? There are people out there that believe he might have. Quite frankly, I don't care. I don't think it really changes anything. Did he come to England? I don't know. It doesn't change who he is. Now, I'm not ragging on it. It's, it's, a, it's a great song. It's got great sentiment and it's got a great tune behind it. But it is describing circumstance. The other is declaring who God is in relation to us. That his love is relentless, that he chases us down, that he does not stop, that he yearns and wants for us. It's about him and not about circumstance. So it's really important that we're very intentional about what goes in. Step number two, be self-aware of attitudes and emotions. If Paul had decided to have an attitude of woe is me, would the outcome of this passage been the same? If you spend all of your time speaking negatively or complaining, you will develop a default sound in your mouth. And that default sound will be one of describing circumstances. You won't feel like singing songs of truth. If you're constantly describing your, your, your circumstance, God's power songs, they're going to feel alien to you. They won't come naturally. And it will be the same on a Sunday morning when you come here and you try and sing. Your default sound will be that way rather than that way. I know this firsthand. Before we came to, to New Community, we, we were at Hillsong for 10 years. And when we first went there, 
I would, dis- I would say I was a circumstance describer. I was quite negative. I'd be like, oh. And I couldn't sing the songs that Hillsong played. Because I don't know whether you've heard Hillsong songs, but they're pretty much all the same. They're all describing God with a very similar tune and a very similar chord progression, but they're all describing who God is. There's nothing there about circumstances. This, cornerstone, Christ alone. So we need to be very aware of our attitudes and our emotions. We need to choose to listen and sing along to truth so that our emotions and our situations are shaped and brought into line with who our God is. We need to be regularly singing when we're happy, when we're not, and at every point in between. Paul was singing at midnight. I don't necessarily recommend that if you've got neighbours, but he was singing at midnight. Now, personally, I think the significance of midnight was it was at his darkest hour. Furthest away from midday when the sun is highest in the sky, midnight. When your situation's your darkest. Our attitudes and our emotions are often influenced by our circumstance. And singing is an amazing tool that we can use to realign ourselves. Step three, be intentional about what comes out. First things first, intentional does not mean forced. Don't fall over, Phil. However, it does mean making a decision. Being intentional about forming a habit of singing regularly in our day-to-day lives. Great example of this, I recently started spontaneously singing 8 Mile by Eminem. (laughs) I haven't heard 8 Mile by Eminem for months, nay years. But I used that as an opportunity, in the fact that I was already warmed up my vocal cords, to change the song that I was singing for something slightly more appropriate for my kids to hear. So it's about being intentional. If you're nervous and you don't think you've got a good voice, start by getting into the habit. So you're intentional. Start getting into the habit singing in the shower. You might not feel like bursting into song. Rest assured no one will be able to hear you. But I guarantee you, you will feel so much better for having done it. If you have children, it's about being intentional with the environment that they are surrounded by. Tom covered this last week, saying that he is way more intentional about the music that is played in his house. If you read Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7, which talks about impressing the commands of of God on your your children, you, you can't fulfill that passage unless you teach them about singing, unless there is singing in your home. Because unless we teach our children about singing, they're missing out on a powerful tool and weapon that will help them run their race. This is what singing is. It's a powerful tool and a powerful weapon that in our day-to-day lives can help us align ourselves with the truth of who God is. Singing helps us create a blueprint for surviving tougher seasons, a habit of praise in any circumstance. It's a learned, memorable understanding of truth in us and those around us And it's the sound of home in church and church in home. If singing is normal at home, it won't feel abnormal at church. If focusing on God is normal at home, it won't feel abnormal at church. Step four, understand the season. Maybe you're in a great place and long may that continue. 
Maybe you're in a hard place and there's lots of stuff going on, lots of circumstance. Maybe you're in a place where God is challenging you on things. Maybe you can't even see how God's going to work in your particular situation. Depending on the season you're in depends on the truth you will need. Sometimes you'll be able to access that truth for yourself. Sometimes you won't. Certain seasons will require you to be diligently singing at midnight. In the darkest place. Certain seasons will lend themselves to certain types of music. You may need specific truth. Be sensitive to the season that you are in. Have you ever listened to a song a lot in a hard time? And then when you're through that hard time, you listen to that song again and you kind of have to shut it off because it's just a little bit too painful because everything that you were feeling in that hard time kind of comes flooding back to you? I have. But that song accomplished what it needed to accomplish. It kept me moving forwards during that tough season that it was deployed. And let's not forget, if we're in a good season, maybe our singing's for someone else. Maybe we're the person that God's sending to a particular geographical location just for us to be singing a particular song at a particular time in a particular place so that somebody coming the other way who's having a tough time in a tough place just happens to hear the encouragement that they need to hear. You want to deny people that? I don't. I don't want to be responsible for de denying that. Paul and Silas in our verse were in dire circumstance. And they accessed the truth by focusing on God through singing. So if the, if the band want to come and rejoin me, just to recap, step one, be intentional about what goes in. Step two, be self-aware of attitudes and emotions. Step three, be intentional about what comes out. And step four, understand your season. Now, there are two groups of people that I feel strongly God wants to speak to today. And a bit later, there'll be an opportunity for you to come forwards and receive prayer. But I want to talk to you first. If you're in a place today where you're surrounded by circumstance and you can't hear the truth for yourself, you're me, not able to hear, not able to speak, not able to sing, not able to do anything, then if that's you, do not walk out of this place today and miss the opportunity of doing business with God. Please, I implore you. And the second group of people, if you're here today and if you're bluntly honest with yourself, you kind of recognize the circumstance describer. You kind of, if you're being really honest with yourself, you know that too often you're, you're influenced by your circumstance and you're speaking your circumstance and you're wrapped up in your circumstance and you're not able to see the, the greatness of our God past your circumstance. If you identify with that group, then again, please don't leave here. Don't leave here 
and miss an opportunity to do business with God. I believe that God wants to fit a new sound in your mouth. Not one of circumstance, but one of Him. One that describes Him, one that leans to Him. One that is able to spontaneously burst into song at any moment because you recognize how amazing He is. One that enables you to see past your circumstance and to see how big your God is. And to tell your circumstance, eh, my God's bigger. And again, if that's you, please, I beg of you, do not leave this place and miss that opportunity. Thank you.